right, church? Right? Come on. Listen, yeah, we can, you can celebrate that. It's okay. Yay! <laughs> Listen, I know we're not a perfect nation. I know we're not a perfect nation. In fact, the perfect world is only going to happen when Jesus Christ comes back and it resets all things new. By the way, Jesus is coming back. You coming? Come on. Um, he is coming back. But I still believe uh, we live in the best country of the world. All right. And I'm thankful. Yeah, I am thankful that he has chosen to allow us to be a part of it being here. You know, true freedom is found in, in Jesus Christ. There's, there, there's no other way around it, but we do experience great freedom in our nation. Thank you, Christ, for what you're doing here. Uh, if you're new with us, welcome. Welcome to Vertical Church. We love the fact that you are here. We love the fact that you're joining us this morning. We hope that you enjoy your time today. My name is Rich. I'm one of the pastors on staff here, and we're stoked that you're here this weekend. Um, this morning, we actually did continue in our series, continue to dig in our series called No Regerts. Um, I kind of like this message, this series, because the misspelling on the screen is pretty much the story of my life. In fact, I had someone in the, in the lobby this morning tell me, that is driving me absolutely nuts. I'm a proofreader. Could you fix it? I'm like, no. <laughs> Here it is, right? No regrets. Obviously, this whole thing is about making decisions. Better decision, no regrets in life. As we kicked this off last week, you know that making decisions are a huge part of our lives. Every single day, we make a decision after decision, and every single day when we make those decisions, they lead us to an outcome after outcome. And these outcomes that are happening in our lives are building the story of our lives. I shared this last week, and I'm going to share it again this, this week. It said, every decision has an outcome, and every outcome builds the story of our life. Every decision has an outcome, and every outcome builds the story of your life. And that statement that's on the screen right now is 100% true. And if that is true, there's a story that's being told right now, being constructed, being built, based on decisions that we are making in life, the story that we want told. Or are we going to get the end of all things and look, man, like I have a ton of regrets at the end. When we wrapped this whole thing up last week, I, brought back, I challenged you to take this old phrase that's kind of thrown out in the world many, many years ago, is WWJD, what would Jesus do? And I said, I want you to apply it to your decisions this week, throughout the week. Did you do it? Did you stop when it came to a decision and say, what would Jesus do? I wonder how it impacted your decision-making. I wonder how it impacted the outcomes of those decisions. I wondered if you removed some regrets in your life by stopping and asking the question, what would Jesus do? So here's a, a not so good example I'm going to share with you. Uh, last night, uh, Stephanie and I went to Walmart around 9.30 or so. If you want, a, you want a free show, go to Walmart at late at night. Right, has anybody been there? Holy cow. I was one of them. I was embarrassing the thunder out of her as I was dancing around the aisle. They had great music on. Um, but we're, as we're coming to Walmart, we're coming down the parking lot, and we're going down the aisle. I'm on my side, and there's a car coming at me, and he's right, coming right down the middle. There's no room for me because he's in the middle, or she or somebody is in the middle. They're driving right at me. I'm like, this does 
no one any good that you're driving down the middle of this, this driveway, this lane thing. And uh, Steph looked at me, she goes, come on, got to be Jesus in this. I'm like, oh, that's right, that's right. What would Jesus do? And I'm saying that as I'm pulling in the parks about what would Jesus do? And I looked at her, I said, Jesus would slash their tires. <laughs> okay, I told you it was a bad example. Obviously, I was joking. I didn't slash your tires. I made a better decision, and we went into the store and had fun. Um, but just a little simple thing like that, right? What would Jesus do? You know, you think about the road rage that happens when you drive trying to get to work on time. You think about when you're trying to hustle and bustle, and you're trying to get through Starbucks line, and, and people are cutting in, or all that kind of stuff. You think about dealing with the people at work who are not kind. You think about the, the people who are in class when you're in school. You think about all the situations that is brought before you every single day of your life that frustrate you, that irritate you, that challenge you, that you could stop. And ask, what would Jesus do? What would Jesus do? So when you leave today, you all will be receiving one of these old-fashioned bracelets. WWJD. What would Jesus do? And as we walk through the rest of this series, as you walk through the rest of your weeks, have it on. As just a quick reminder, as you're sending that email to someone in your office, as you're responding to a text, just look at your wrist. What would Jesus do? I shared that I used to think this was an absolutely corny, over-publicized, over-commercialized idea, but it's absolutely a bit of genius when it comes to making decisions in our life. If we desire to live a life of no regrets, better decisions. So today we're going to build on the foundation we set last week. Last week was all, we're setting a foundation all about Jesus, all about Jesus. And as a reminder, I kind of threw out some questions to you. I challenged you, said, do you want to look like Jesus? Three questions are out. Do you want to look like Jesus? Do decisions you make right now reflect that truth that you want to look like Jesus? And the last question last week was very simple. What are you willing to do? Are you willing to do whatever it takes to get there? And today we're going to build on that foundation, and so let's get into this. Open your Bibles, if you would, to Romans chapter 14. Romans chapter 14, we're starting at verse 1 this morning. Romans chapter 14, verse 1, your Bible, your Bible apps, whatever you have with you, hopefully you have a copy of God's Word with you this morning as we walk through this. The book of Romans is a letter, was written by a follower of Jesus named Paul. Paul made the decision to love and live for Jesus. But that wasn't always the case for him. That wasn't always the case for his life. There was one point in his life Paul hated Christians. He couldn't stand anything to do with Jesus or what he stood for. He chased down the early church. He imprisoned Christ followers. And he stood in approval as they were being stoned to death. But that all changed when he was confronted with the truth of Jesus Christ, when his eyes were opened to the, the risen Christ one day was right in front of him, and, this is, and his whole life turned around. His whole life turned around, and he gave his everything to serve and to follow Jesus. Get this. His whole story changed, radically changed, based on the decision he made to follow Jesus. 
Tell me that's not an important one. The letter of Romans was written to Jesus' followers in the city of Rome. And Paul was writing them, I guess I told you the situations happening in all these letters. And Paul was reminding them of who they are in Jesus. And this is what a life like looks like when you're walking with Jesus. And in fact, in the book of Romans, Paul, many times he's, he's addressing multicultural tension within the church. See, in Rome, they were, they were both Jewish and Gentile Christians. The Jewish Christians were reluctant to give up some of their ceremonial aspects of the religious heritage that they carried with them for centuries with their families. And the Gentiles, those that embraced a new freedom in Christ. Two groups of people, Jewish, Gentiles. Gentiles, guess what, are everyone who are not Jewish. And they're in the city of Rome, and they're clashing culturally what it means to follow Jesus. And it was causing problems amongst them. If you have your Bibles open there, you can follow on the screen. Look at 14, look at verse 1. Except one whose faith is weak, without quarreling over disputable matters, one person's faith allows them to eat anything, but another whose faith is weak, he only eats vegetables. One who eats everything must not treat with contempt the one who does not. And the one who does not eat everything must not judge the one who does. For God has accepted them. Let's just stop right there. This was a simple action of eating food. See, in the Jewish heritage, their culture brought in from the Old Testament, brought this idea of having eating restrictions along with it. So these are the things we are, God allows us to eat, and these are the things we are not supposed to eat. The Gentiles came and said, oh, we, dude, we can eat whatever we want, with no restrictions. And they were making these decisions, going back and forth at each other, doing what they want to do, not one of them caring about the other. They were pointing fingers at one another. They were judging one another, and they absolutely missed it. And what they were creating was this huge tension amongst them. The decision they were making, they never stopped to give them a thought of what they were actually doing. And this is a perfect example for you and I. Perfect example for us to dig into. See, when it comes to making decisions in life, especially if we desire to to live a life of no regrets, we need to simply first pay attention to the tension. Pay attention to the tension. See, I have to believe that when these two groups, they're both followers of Jesus, when they're throwing shade at one another, right, they were all about their personal beliefs, that inside of them was this, was this true idea they had of loving their neighbor as themselves. Somewhere deep inside, they understood what it meant to love a brother and sister in Christ. And it wasn't all about them. And I have to believe that something inside of them was telling them that their argument, their stance, their behavior, their judgment was wrong but they missed it. Pay attention to the tension. Many times when we're making decisions in life, there's a tension that that gets created within us. That tension is telling us that there's something not right with this decision. There's a tension going on with telling me that there's something missing. 
And when that tension starts happening, sometimes you and I pause before we actually make that decision. Some of us in this room, we call them red flag events. We're like, whoa, hey, something's going on here. When these moments happen in our lives as we are making decisions, maybe we should stop and ask the question, is there a tension that deserves my attention? Is there a tension that deserves my attention? Is the thing that's happening inside of me right now as I walk through this, as I process forward to make this decision, does it deserve me to stop and pay attention to it and listen to it? Because if it's there, that's your conscience speaking. And we need to be listening. Everyone has a conscience. We think we all have been in situations, I think, I, you agree with me on this, where we have stopped if, and wondered if the next thing we're going to do was the right thing to do. Show, show me by raising your hand if you've been a part of that. That's ever happened. Okay, that's half of you. <laughs> that is your conscience. Everyone has a conscience. God put it in fabric of creating every human being with this idea, universal idea of right and wrong because that's who God sets a moral standard. But the problem is, the problem when it comes strictly to our conscience on our own, what I think is morally right and acceptable and what you may think is morally right and acceptable can land in two different areas. Well, that's where the Holy Spirit comes in, right? The first, the whole last week, the foundation, having a relationship built in with Jesus. Jesus is the firm foundation for life. The Holy Spirit, which pastor and author Francis Chan calls the forgotten God, plays a huge part in the life and the child of God. The Holy Spirit convicts us to live by the word of God. The Spirit of God convicts us and challenges us to live by the Word of God. If you're in this room, you're watching online, and you have surrendered your life to Jesus Christ, you made him the Lord of your life, you have the Holy Spirit. He resides within you right now. And he's not there for vacation. Right? He didn't come like, oh, it's summertime. Right? He's not there. He is there to lead you, to guide you. He's your counselor. He convicts you. He walks with you. He challenges you to walk and make decisions to honor the life that you have with Jesus Christ. He clarifies what is right, what is righteous. So the next time you're getting ready to make a decision and you pause and you don't know why, but you have this deep down inside feeling that it's just not the right thing to do. Stop and ask, is there a tension? Is this tension in my life right now? A moment where the, the Holy Spirit of God is speaking to me. He's leading me. 
And do I need to make a different decision? Don't set aside. Don't ignore it. Because there's a reason why the Holy Spirit is making you feel this way. There's a reason why the Spirit of God resides in you as a child of God is making you feel uncomfortable. Because he knows the decision you're about to make will lead you to a road of regrets. Unnecessary pain, a pathway of problems, and he's like, stop. Stop right now. Listen to me. I am God. I am here, and I'm in you. I'm with you, and I'm walking with you. Stop. Continue reading at verse 5. It says, one person consider considers one day more sacred than another. Another person considers every day alike. Each of them should be fully convinced of in their own mind. Whoever regards one day as special does so to the Lord. Whoever eats meat does so to the, to the Lord. So they give thanks to God. And whoever who abstains does not does so to the Lord and give thanks to God. Verse 7, for none of us live lives through ourselves alone, and none of us dies ourselves alone. Verse 8, if we live, we live for the Lord. If we die, we die for the Lord. So whatever we live or die, we belong to the Lord. For this very reason, verse 9, Christ died and returned to life so that we may, he may be the Lord of both the dead and the living. Let's just stop there again. I absolutely love this, Paul. Thank you so much. Because right here, Paul does an amazing thing that we have to take into consideration every single time when it comes to decision. He points both parties back to the Lord. You and I get so wrapped up with the world. You and I get so wrapped up with all these different things. We're like, oh, we're not this. And he said, no, no, come back to the Lord. That's the foundation for your decision making. Come back to the Lord. And what it came down to was their lack of knowledge of truth. Lack of truth became the problem. Lack of knowing, lack of understanding became the problem when they came to making their decisions about what food I'm going to eat, what day I think is holy. When it comes to making right decisions, when it comes to making godly decisions, God-honoring decisions, sometimes it's a matter of simply knowing the truth. Good information helps us make good decisions. And that leads us to the second point for this morning. When it comes to you and I making decisions, we want better decisions, less regrets, or less regrets in life. We need to educate, not violate our conscience. We need to educate, not violate our conscience. That means we need to educate ourselves with the truth. Not violate what the Spirit is telling us is wrong. You may not believe this, but in this this book right here, it's in my hands. God says something about everything. He says something about everything. Now, he may not speak 
to a specific topic directly. But he does talk about everything indirectly. All we have to do with the tension arises within us is slow down and ask the decision we're about to make three more questions. We start off with what would Jesus do? What would Jesus do? What would Jesus do? Now we start digging into the scripture, looking for the truth, getting some knowledge so we can educate our conscience, understanding how we're called to live. The first question is this, is there a precept to obey? Is there something in scripture that God commands? That's what a precept is. Does God speak directly against the decision I'm about to make? If he does, your decision is pretty simple. Don't do it. Don't, do not get drunk. Do not commit adultery. Do not use the Lord's name in vain. Pretty clear stuff, right? Don't do it. God commands it. That's pretty simple. There's a second question. Is there a principle to apply? Is, there's a principle to apply. This expands last week's conversation. This is a wider explanation of why God is saying what he is saying. And it can usually be applied to, to more areas or more situations. Taking the truth of the word and applying it out. Proverbs 28, 13, it's not on the screen, but it says, whoever conceals their sin does not prosper, but the one who confesses their, and renounces their sin finds mercy. Well, it's a, this is this idea that sin separates, confession connects. Because 1 John 1, 9 says that we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and forgives us our sins and purifies us from all unrighteousness. Our conversation this morning in Romans chapter 14 is principle that we're, people weren't acting in a love of Christ towards one another. But I'm pulling out this idea. The decisions that they were making weren't loving. They're only thinking about me, myself, and I. Is there a precept to obey? Is there a principle to apply? And the last one, is there a pattern to follow. Is there a pattern to follow? This is identifying what God has taught throughout history, the entire scripture, this whole book about what, he, what we're acquiring about. This is having a, a depth of knowledge of God that, you know, marriage is between a man and a woman. You find it in the beginning, you find it in the end. Sex is for marriage. God makes it clear throughout scripture that he called his people to be holy. Holy means to be set apart. He's called his people to be set apart different than the world around him. Why? Because it points to a one true God. You find that from the beginning to the end in Scripture. That's, the, that's what you guys talk about as the pattern for us to follow. But in order to identify these three areas, we need to be in his word. We need to be in his life manual, how he desires his creation to live. Because scripture reshapes the human heart, mind, and life. When our minds and when our hearts are saturated with the word of God, it directly impacts, impacts the decisions we make in life. And I hope, <laughs> I hope you're seeing a pattern with all this. This whole reading your Bible kind of stuff that I throw out there all the time. 
Like, hey, you should read your Bible. Oh, we'll go to church next week. What's Rich going to say? He's probably going to tell us that we should read our Bible. I hope you see a pattern with this because it's so important. I bring it up all the time, and Father, friends, I will not stop. Because my hope and prayer is that you see how you see and come to know how vital it is, life-giving is, to have Scripture in your life as a follower of Christ. If you don't have a Bible, let's get you one. If you don't want a paper copy, download version. If you're not reading the one you have, why not? Why not? Do you, do you not believe that this is the word of God? Do you not believe that God has the best life in mind for you? Do you not believe that God wants to have a conversation with you daily? Just, a, uh, just over a year ago, I was attending an attending a IF gathering conference. Uh, it's, a, it's a ladies' conference. Wait, wait. <laughs> I wasn't attending. I was helping. I didn't have a wig on and go, like, hey, I'm in about Jesus. Um, I was doing some technical work. I was there helping out. Um, So thankful God has a sense of humor. Um, yeah. Don't attend a women's conference, man. Serve at one. Yes. Um, but in this, in this conference, uh, they were interviewing a guy who they called Pastor X. Um, he was from the Middle East, and they had his face blurred out, his voice changed. And they called him Pastor X because they could not reveal who he was and where he was ministering because if they did, it probably meant his own life for how he was serving, where he was serving. It was that volatile. And as he was talking, he said something that absolutely rocked me to the core. I didn't like it. I didn't like hearing it. But I think it's very well true. And this is what he says. The American church is under a satanic lullaby. The American church is being rocked by Satan, fooled, swindled, put us in an absolute slumber as a nation. And biblical illiteracy is at the core. We can't know God if we don't read God. We can't know how God wants us to live if we don't read it, study it. And let me just say this, this is going to sound a little crazy, but Sunday mornings don't count. I still watch you here on Sunday. Because we're going to learn and teach the word of God. But that can't be your fill. You can't be a spiritual follower of Jesus and never feed yourself spiritually throughout the week and think you're going to show up on a Sunday morning and get a seven-course meal. Yeah. 
Because you're going to starve yourself. We can't know what we don't know. Look around at our country and all the craziness that is taking place, the ruthless violence, things that stand up completely against what God calls his wrong. Pulled out of the schools. People stop reading. Just reading some studies in Barna this past week. How about how scripture in the church is going like this? People who say, I'm a follower of Jesus, but they read less and less and less each week, each day. Said 32% people say they're followers of Jesus, reads God's word every day. Fifty-some percent said they read it once a week or less. That's the church. That's God's people who say, I love Jesus. All right, I'll get off my soapbox now. If we are not educating ourselves with the life that he longs, God desires for us to live We are simply missing out. And we're probably, most likely, messing up. And that leads us to regrets. You know, a few years ago, I was walking through this idea with my small group making decisions. And we're talking about what is, what is it, how does it help us make better decisions? Everyone in our small group said, prayer, Rich, prayer. We just talk to God. We pray, we pray, we pray, and pray. And it's absolutely true. Absolutely true. But that's only one way. The other way is found in this book. An ever-peeling onion of truth for God's best life for you. Flip side of this is true. We not only need to know this, we need to know God's word, we need to live God's word. When we, when we know but choose to ignore the tension within us, we're actually, when we're actually putting our hands up to the face of God and say, talk to the hands, the ears not listening. I know we wouldn't ever want to say that a lot at church, but we know the truth God's revealed the truth, and we still do this when we choose to go the other direction. Listen, I have good friends in Pennsylvania right now. Their family is being rocked because the husband fails to follow the word of God in their home. And this is something... We need to be very, very careful to do as followers of Christ. When we choose to ignore what God is saying, we put our hands up to him, there's regrets coming down the road. When we choose to put up our hand up to the spirit of God, one, that once was a, that was a loud scream, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it, becomes a very faint voice, don't do it. 
until we shut him down and ignore him so much, we stop hearing him. We have quenched the spirit. We sear our conscience to the point we don't hear what he's saying. We become numb to the truth of God. Ephesians, Paul writes about this in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17. Look, it's on the screen. He says, I tell you this, insist on in the Lord that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the fatality of their thinking. They are darkened by their understanding and are separated from the life of God because of their ignorance that they do in them due to their hardening of their hearts. They have lost all sensitivity and they have given themselves over to sensuality and indulge of every kind of impurity for they are full of greed. He writes this the first, in 1 Timothy, writing to Pastor Timothy, 1 Timothy chapter 4, he says, such teachings, talking about false teachers, false teachings, living like the world, have come through hypocritical liars whose consciences have been seared with a hot iron. It's possible that it's possible that if we are continuing to make decisions, if we know what's true, we know what's right, we know what God wants from us, but it's possible that we continue to make decisions that go the other direction that we no longer hear him. Rich, I don't hear God anymore. I don't know if he really loves me or he's in my life. I don't understand things a mess. Well, are you obeying him? Are you following? Are you listening? You ever burn yourself on iron? Hurts. And the only way to reverse the hardened heart is simply actively start listening and obeying his word. And it comes to the last part of this is whatever we do, it must be done in love. Whatever we do, it must be done in love. Look at Romans 14, verses 13 through 15. It says, Therefore, let us stop passing judgment on one another. Instead of making up your mind, not to, instead, make up your mind, not put a stumbling block or an obstacle in the way of your brother and sister. I am convinced, Paul says, being fully persuaded that in the Lord and Jesus, that nothing unclean is unclean itself. But anyone who regards something unclean, for that person it is unclean. For your brother or sister is distressed because of you, what you eat, you're no longer acting in love. Do not, by your eating, destroy someone else whom Christ died. He's saying, make up your mind. Do not put a stumbling block in the way of your brother and your sister by making the decision that best illustrates love for God and for them. For in Paul's situation, this idea was between these two groups. Only they were thinking of themselves, me, myself, and I. But this also ties into what we're doing for ourselves. How are we making decisions for ourselves? Are we putting our own <laughs> stumbling block right in front of our feet? <laughs> you ever walk down the road or in the hallway or whatever, sidewalk, and just trip over yourself? You're walking all the time. You know how silly you look? We do that when we put our own stumbling block in front of ourselves. We look kind of silly because God's given us a clear path. 
This also impacts those around us. Sometimes we fail to understand the full ramifications of our decision-making. We come to this ignorance of idea that decisions that we're making only affect ourselves. That's not true. Friends, the truth is our private decisions always have public results. How we decide, what we decide, impacts more than our own lives. All those who are around us, all those who are included next to and God has concluded in our lives, those who are closest to us, our family, our kids, our spouses, our friends, our coworkers, our neighbors. Pay attention to the tension. Stop asking and listening leads us to a decision that makes a clear image that's an act of love towards God, towards anyone connected in my life. And as I read scripture, love is kind. Love is patient. Love does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It does not delight in evil. It rejoices in the truth. Man, I know I hit some buttons today. Well, let me just phrase it. I know God hit some buttons today. But here's the truth. What I love about Jesus the most. See, with Jesus, there's always hope. With Jesus, there's always a way to turn things around. With Jesus, as long as you have breath in your lungs, you have the opportunity to decide differently and have different outcomes in life. Because I believe 100% with a Jesus, everything changes. Direction of life to write a different story. Because in Jesus, we're able to choose to live a life of no regrets. I don't know about you. I don't know what you're walking through. I don't know what you're facing. I don't know what you've done. I don't know where you're at. With all things God or Jesus. But what I do know, there's a God who loves you. There's a God who wants the best life for you. There's a God who sent his son to die for you. There's a guy named Jesus who gave it all for you. And he simply says, follow me. That's the life that I want. And it's available for you too. God is that awesome. Yeah, let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you for your love for us. We thank you 
for blessing us so much. God, we thank you for Jesus, for for sending your son to give us a life example of what it means and looks to follow you. We're to imitate, become more like, less like the world. Thank you for your spirit that resides in us as your children. Thank you for his conviction. Thank you for his work in our lives. God, I pray as a church that we'll continue to seek you through prayer, meditation, and your word. God, I pray that your Holy Spirit will not be silent. That he'll rip open the callous and the hard heart and the seared conscience and that he'll start screaming into our lives again of decisions we're called to make as your children. that we won't ignore you and let our lives be a light to the world, light to our community that Jesus does change everything. He's radically changed my life. He's radically changed the lives of so many people in this room. Let our light shine. Right now, I'm going to ask our prayer team to come forward. Man, if there's something hanging in your heart right now that you need to get gone, need to remove, you need to confess, you need to come before Christ, you want to be prayed over and prayed with, come forward after service. We want to pray with you. If you've been kind of walking your own direction, you've you've been searing your conscience, you've been shutting out the Lord, you're putting your hand up to to Jesus and to the Spirit not listening to him, and you want to come home and just make it right after service, come up and pray. You can't be too far gone. You've never done too much wrong to come back to Jesus. If you're sitting in this room and you've never given him your life, Today could be the best decision of your life. You could be like Paul, make the decision to come up and surrender your life to him. Do not walk out those doors until you do. God loves you. He wants to be with you for all eternity. The prayer team will walk you through that. God, we thank you for this day. We do celebrate the freedom of our nation in this week. But today we just praise you for the freedom we have in Christ. And it's his name I pray. Amen. God bless church. Have an amazing week.